Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. In this episode, I'm joined by MLS goalkeeping legend, John Bush. Uh, John and I go way back. We were both drafted to MLS in the same year, back way back in 2002. He went to the Columbus Crew. I went to the Chicago Fire. Uh, we've known each other for years. We, uh, I don't, I don't know if we were actually ever teammates, but we, you know, the world of MLS is small. So we were able to get to know each other and build a really big friendship, especially once he moved here to San Jose, uh, in 2010. Um, John, super accomplished goalkeeper, youth national team, uh, up into the lower level pros, um, coming right out of college, then an incredible career in MLS, nearly 500 professional games total. Um, in this episode, we really get into the adversity that that he faced through all the various steps in his career in order to uh, you know getting all the way to the top having a, a one cap with the men's national team um, there's been injuries in there there's been bench getting benched there's been all sorts of various things throughout his career um, it's a it's quite a long episode which for me those are the best ones because it just flows so well and uh, I feel like we could have talked for another hour at least. Um, so please enjoy this episode. John Bush, one of the greatest goalkeepers ever in MLS history. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, and this week we have a very special guest. I am joined by MLS legend, uh, one of the greatest goalkeepers to ever play the game, John Bush. John, welcome to the show. What's up, Kelly? How are you, bud? I, I am good. It's been a long time since we've caught up, so I'm super psyched that uh, I was able to get you to, to come on here and the timing worked out for both of us. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so... You know, the premise of this this show is all about kind of those moments of failure or um, challenge and how they affected you. Um, so yeah. I just want to start here at the beginning of let's start with your childhood. Where did you find the game of soccer or find sports? Um, I started at a very young age. I have an older brother um, who pretty much played every sport uh, like we all did when growing up. Uh, but he, he specifically, he was a forward, a striker. Uh, so while we lived in Virginia, uh, that was my early years. 
he needed somebody to basically just throw in goal. We, we built a goal in the backyard of the two by fours and he threw me in there. And for some crazy reason, I enjoyed getting hit with balls. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know why, but I enjoyed it. And, uh, so that's really kind of, you know, how it all started in the early days and, you know, didn't really have any goalie coaches. Um, I would go and hang out with him and his, his high school buddies at, at high school practice or whatever. And I'd, kind of watch their goalkeeper is I think his name was Joey Beck if I remember correctly uh and just try to you know ask him questions and and pick up things again you know back then there really weren't goalie coaches so it was just kind of figured out on your own yeah well like what was the club situation like that did you start with like rec soccer or were you playing for a club team or was it mostly just messing around with your brother uh, I think it was a combination. I think I did play uh, for a rec club um, in the early days. My dad and my brother were coaches, nice. um, you know, so that was always fun, uh, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it was more, you know, back then you played every sport. So, yeah. you know, in, in the fall you played soccer. In the you, you winter we, you know, we played basketball or hockey. In the spring it was baseball, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, you just play during the fall and, and, and that was kind of that in the early days. Um, and then a lot of the time it was, you know, in the backyard, whether it was with my brother and his buddies or some of my, my age buddies who played soccer would just come over. And like I said, we had a, we had a goal in the backyard and we just, you know, mess around and play. So at what point did you kind of realize that soccer was where like the direction that you wanted to go like what age did you stop playing maybe some of those other sports through those seasons um so I think it was probably so we moved up to Pennsylvania for three years before we moved back to New York and about that time it was like middle school age um I I started kind of noticing hey you know I'm okay at this goalie thing Mm -hmm. um so you know let me let me focus on it a little bit more um and did that made you know made like eastern pennsylvania state team and that sort of thing um and then from there you know start getting to the regional team camps and once we moved back up to uh up to albany uh new york that is when it really kind of started taking over because that's um I went from regional team to national teams and and yep. so starting around the age of 15 i i spent two years with the under 17 national team. Uh, and that was kind of my, you know, first real glimpse at the bigger world of soccer, if you want to call it that. And so that's when I, I kind of got away from some of the other sports. I, I continue to play hockey and, and I still do to this day, but those were my, my main focus was soccer. And then my, my hobby, if you want to call it was, uh, was hockey. Um, so kind of just really focused on the soccer side and, and things started kind of falling into place. And uh, that was also when I started having goalkeeper coaches. So obviously we had one with the U S soccer a gentleman named Peter Miller, who's an absolute oh, yeah. legend in the game. Um, you know, he was my first ever goalie coach at the age of 15 uh, working with the 17s. And then I was fortunate. Uh, we had one up in Albany that lived about I don't know, 25, 30 minutes from me. Uh, he was a school teacher, but he actually played in the old professional minor league. So he he knew what he was doing. Um, so usually I would try to get over to Bernie once, maybe twice a week, depending on our, our schedule. Um, and then we would train for an hour, hour, hour and a half. Um, so that was, wh- you know, when I really started kind of buckling down and figuring out, hey, you know what? I need some extra coaching. I need some extra work. Uh, because, again, at, at that point, clubs and high schools and all that, nobody had goalkeeper no. you know goalkeeper coaches so no. uh you were kind of on your own then 
Now you said, you know, hockey obviously plays a big part in this. Um, you know, a lot of people these days think that these players need to like specialize super early. I'm, I'm one that believes yeah. that uh, multiple sports is actually the best way to go. So mm-hmm. do you think your experience with hockey um, helped you in soccer? Absolutely. Um, I, and I'm a firm believer in that too, Kelly. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a world now where, for instance, I work with, a, you know, an MLS Next Club over here, the Indiana yep. Fire. And, you know, these kids are, you know, probably 10 to 11 months a year. And, yeah. and it's hard for them to play other sports. And I think, especially in the early days and your early ages, they, they need to play other sports. They need to um, work on different muscle groups. They need to learn different uh, ways to move, you know, if you're a basketball player or things like that. And, and just natural athleticism, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer in that that, that helped me uh, as well as, you know, my baseball time, my basketball time. Um, it, it just made me a, be- a better athlete, and uh, I think that that uh, should be valued more in today's world. I think that sometimes we do uh, we do have parents that want to um, get their kids the best training, which is understandable as yeah. a parent. But I, I think they 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 want to pigeonhole them really early, whether it's a you know a baseball pitcher or a punter or. Yeah. whatever and say well you know we need to get you private training and we need to get you this and we need to get you the you know the the best uh personal trainer and all that and i just i think it's too much sometimes you know and again i think you these kids first and foremost they need to be kids you yeah. know and i, I, I and, agree more yeah you know and i think sometimes we forget that you know i mean for instance i work you know on a nightly basis i work with 13 you know or actually 12 year olds up to uh, you know, seniors in high school. And so I've got a wide range and some of these young kids, you know, they're, I remind them, Hey, you know, just enjoy it, have fun, play other sports. You're, you're kids. We want yeah. them to be kids. And I think sometimes we, we forget that message. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's where, especially in soccer, this, this youth movement has trended is it's not about fun anymore. It's about accomplishment and, uh, and so it's become a job for kids as opposed to, you know, pure enjoyment. And I think it's, yeah. a, it's a direction that needs to be changed. Uh, I mean, yesterday, you know, yeah. I mean? and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, often a little tangent there, but, um, but so let, let's talk about that. You said you moved from, uh, from, from Virginia and you were in Eastern Pennsylvania and then into wash uh, into uh, New York. What, what was that experience like? I mean, as a young kid moving from team to team, it's not always easy. No, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was, it was tough, um, you know, especially schooling and all that. Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed like we moved every couple of years. And uh, so, you know, the, the thing that I always had was, you know, I had soccer and, yeah. and you know, that was the way I kind of, uh, you know, got away from the world and I, I knew I was good at it. And uh, so it was my escape, you know, if something yeah. was going, you know, if something was tough and, in school or in, so, in the social world, um, you know, I, I, as long as I take care of my stuff on the field, that made me happy. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I spent, it's interesting because I spent, uh, when I think back to my, you know, kind of high school days when I moved back up there, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in my backyard. I had one of those kind of rebounders, you yeah. know, that I would, that I would kick off of, um, throw balls off of, you know, I, I met some of, the again the minor league guy, minor league pro guys the albany yep. alley cats that used to exist up there 
Um, and, and they were much older than me, but I would, you know, I would just, I'd hang out with those guys much more and just, Hey, can you shoot on me today? Or, Hey, can you do this? And, you know, in, in, in Albany, you're, you're indoor, you're playing indoor soccer almost six months a year because of the weather. So what I would do is, you know, before I could even drive, I just have my mom or my dad just drop me off at the indoor arenas at yep. night, you know, and, and I'd hang out there till closing time and they come pick me up and I, yep. I just play on whatever team. It could be a co-ed team. It could be a, an adult team. If, if somebody needed yeah. a goalie, I was like, yeah, I'm in. Um, huh. and, and, you know, so sometimes I did spend a lot of time kind of on my own and just doing my little thing. But, um, you know, it, it was, it, that was the way I, I, I guess if you want to call it, I found my identity, you yeah, know, that, really. that, that was me, you know? Yeah. I mean, man, that's, that's such an interesting concept of like, um, just just going and hanging out at the at the arena and just like popping in and, and playing games and, and I think like what's so interesting about that is, you know, these days everything is so very structured, right? It's you play mm-hmm. for this team, you have this training at this time every single day, and then you have these games on the weekends. And I think if you if you look at the rest of the world, that's not really what it is, right? It's especially at the young ages, it's let's go out in the street, somebody find a ball somewhere, let's take our shoes and make some goals out of that and yeah. let's just play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think developmentally, I I mean, I I would argue that that is by far the best possible thing that you could do because now it's, it's about the enjoyment and the fun and you actually get so many more touches on the ball, Mm -hmm. not this like structured rigid thing. And you get to see these, the creativity and the personality of these players as they, as they grow and try and experiment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you learn so much more. I felt like, you know, again, especially for me, I, you know, a lot of times I was playing with older players and, mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm watching what they do. I'm watching how they, uh, how they read the game or how they talk to each other or, you know, just their movements. And, and that was, that was really how we learned. I mean, we yep. didn't, no offense, but we didn't have a lot of tactics back then, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, totally. th- that's the truth. And, and that's how you, that's how you learn. So um, now you're in with the national team, the youth national team, U17s. Um, talk about that experience. I mean, that's a that's a really transformative thing when you pull on that national team like training top, and then mm-hmm. you get to pull on that national team jersey. Uh, just talk, yeah. talk through that a bit. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know, again, it was uh, a, a two year process for that first round where. I don't think any of us really understood what we were getting into at the moment. Um, you know, there was no social media. There was no all all that yeah. stuff that there is today. So, you, you, I mean, you didn't really – you get a letter in the mail. You know, exactly. that's really how it worked. Yeah. And uh, um, so it was it was an adventure. Uh, you know, we had players obviously from all over the U.S., uh, you know, and we would – once we started going to international tournaments, I think our eyes were opened a little bit more. Um, yeah. of, hey, you know what? This is, you know, this is pretty big. This is pretty special. Yeah. Um, you know, and then and, and you talk about adversity and things like that. That was also about the first time where uh, I, I not hit the first adversity. I had the first thing said to me about adversity, and that was about my size. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously being a small guy. And, you know, so this is, like I said, this is about 15 years old or so when it's all started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I heard it till the day I retired at whatever I was, 41, 42 years yeah. old, that, you know, he's too small. But uh, he, th- this was kind of the first time, you know, especially at an international level. And, yeah. um, you know, because at club level, even at, you know, regional team level and stuff like that, 
you don't hear that stuff that yeah. much, you know, in the States, but all of a sudden now you get on an international level and well, the goalie needs to be this, t- you know, this tall yeah. and, and this guy's short and da da da, you know, luckily, like I said, I had a head coach, Roy Reese, and I had a goalkeeper coach, Peter Miller, who, who really believed in me um, yeah. and, and didn't worry about my size. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, you're right. I mean, anytime you can put on a, a the U.S. soccer crest and, and a jersey that has that crest on it, no matter what level, uh, you know, whether it's 17s, 20s, or full team, um, yeah. you know, it, it means a lot. And and for me, uh, especially for myself, and you know, my brother was in the military uh, for many years, so for me, it, it just meant a little bit more as well because. I knew that he was out there, you know, protecting us. Um, and, and so for me, it, it was a little bit more special in the fact that uh, I could kind of represent him and his boys, you yep. know, in, in some capacity. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you're, you're with the U 17s now. And, and is it at this point that you kind of realize like, man, this maybe, maybe there's like a career here. Like there's this whole professional thing that we all dream about playing, but maybe this is something that could actually happen. Uh, yes and no. Okay. Yes and no. Because I remember being in, I think we were in France, if I remember correctly. And, uh, and we were training at a facility and I don't even remember what team it was. It was, yeah, one of their club, their pro club teams. And, uh, yeah, you know, we would go and watch them train and then we would train and that sort of thing. It was a small club, but it was a professional nonetheless. And, I remember talking with Peter Miller about it and, and, you know, him kind of telling us, obviously, since he grew up in England, of how the systems work over there and, and mm-hmm. all that. And, you know, those were very, you know, early conversations. But I remember saying, I'm like, oh, that'd be pretty cool. Love yeah. to be a professional, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of thing, you know, off the cuff. Again, being 15, 16 year old kid, not really knowing what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but it, that was the first time the wheels kind of started turning in your head um, mm-hmm. or in my head. Um, you know, but again, at the same time, like we really didn't have, we had minor league soccer here in the States, but yeah. you know, n- nothing you could really, you know, make a living off of. So uh, I, I couldn't really connect the dots um, at, at that point. You know, it was yeah. just a little seed in my head of, Hey, maybe there's a possibility at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, Let's let's go back a, a little ways there because I wanted I wanted to ask actually ask more questions just kind of about that moment of adversity of of your size. I mean, at that point mm-hmm. you're still young, and you know you're going to continue to grow more. But did that make you you know question yourself? Did that make you like fearful of things? Um, what was your response to that? Um, I, I think it you know I think initially you know uh, you're. It, it does put, you know, a little doubt in your mind and you're like, huh, am I, am I not big enough? You yeah. know? Um, but then I think also again, and, and, you know, people from the East coast understand is being a New Yorker, you know, I was just like, oh, I'll just prove you wrong. I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, like, and, and that's just kind of the New York mentality. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Um, and, and so for me, it was just like, I didn't, I didn't really care about what people said about my height. Yep. Um, I just knew that, you know, if I was good enough, I'd get picked. Um, yep. you know, and like I said, I, I think that that, what helped me again in those early days was, was having Peter around me, um, yeah. because he did not care about it. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and, and I know that once I finished that, you know, my two year cycle for the 17s, I, pl- I pretty much played 
almost every game. I mean, I, I know that we played some of our backups a few of the games, but yeah. I was the number one for that two-year cycle, yep. the entire two-year cycle, all the way to the, the world, you know, world Championships in Japan. Yeah. Um, so obviously they saw something in me, um, you know, but then I remember go, trying to jump from the 17s to the 20s, uh, and, and John Kowalski was the under 20 national team coach at the time. Yep. And uh, I remember, you know, Peter having to have so many conversations with, with John because Peter wanted me in that pool of goalkeepers. Yep. Uh, but John was really the first coach that I remember going, no, he's way too small. I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Um, even though he did bring me into one or two of the camps he never really gave me an opportunity. And, and uh-huh. I, I didn't really know it at the time. It was more talking to Peter after the fact yeah. that apparently every camp, you know, prior to every camp that they had, this was an ongoing conversation. And, and Peter would, would fight for me uh, vehemently behind yeah. the scenes. And, you know, ultimately it's the head coach's decision. And, and John's, you know, John's simple response is he's not above six foot. I'm not bringing him. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, again, that, that started. Um, but for me, like I said, I, I, I heard it so often, but I never, I guess I never really bought into it, Kelly. You know, yeah. it was like, I knew it was out there. I knew that my philosophy was, especially as I got older and I dealt with it into college and into the pros was, all right, this is always going to be the first thing brought up, yeah. you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it was more about me wrong and using, turning it around as motivation to say, yeah. okay, you know what? I'm going to prove you wrong. And, and I'm going to show you that not only am I a good goalkeeper, I'm actually better than that six foot, whatever goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, you know, now, now knowing that I also knew in the back of my head, I didn't have as long of a leash as some of these bigger goalkeepers. So, you know, guys that, that were around me during my career, you know, whether it was, you know, in college or in the pros, you know, know how serious I took my day-to-day work and, 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 and how I, you know, for me, I was all about proving, proving myself every single day, you know, and I never, I never wanted to, to say, well, I'm the starter. I don't have to work hard today or I don't need to get better today, you know, yeah. because I always felt I, I was always on a shorter leash than the bigger goalkeeper simply because it was very easy for a coach to turn around and say, well, yeah, the reason he didn't make that save or the reason we benched him or whatever was because he's too small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's an important lesson for, for people to actually hear. And uh, I, I love what you just said about just kind of being on that shorter leash and trying to have having to like uh, prove yourself every. Mm-hmm. I mean, every day. I mean, that's that's the truth of it. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about like high school a little bit now. You're you've done the U seventeen stint, um, and now you know you're you're in high school, um, and just talk about that experience of of high school, and then and then we'll kind of lead it into that moment in high school of realizing that you're going to get the chance to play division one college soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So when, obviously when we went to high school, high school was like, everybody played high school ball. Everybody played high school. Yeah. And so there were two big schools up 
up where I lived in Albany. The one I went to was called Gilderland and the other one was called Shenandoah. Um, and when we moved back up, I didn't, I didn't realize who they were and who we were and all that kind of stuff. But Shenandoah had guys like Miles Joseph, who, yeah. who's now a coach in Portland and Damian Silvera. And they, like they legitimately recruited and I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we went to this other school cause it was closer to my dad's, uh, church that he worked at. And so, um, you know, but it was like, you had a game on a Tuesday night, you know, everybody from the school showed up, Yeah, college, college coaches showed up. Like that's how you got recruited back then. You know, yep. college coaches went, they didn't go to club games. They went to high school games or they, you know, they went to your regional camps and your national team games. Yep. And so, um, it was, it was always a big deal up in Albany. Uh, you know, everything ran around or revolved around the soccer fall season. And uh, it was really, it was a great, uh, a great few years up in Albany. Um, like I said, we were, we were always second best, unfortunately, to, to Miles and Shenandoah, but uh, <laughs> we, we had great rivalries and, and it, uh, it really showed me kind of the competitive side of things. And, and uh, again, playing against Miles, who's a couple years older than me. And uh, the cool thing was, was, you know, when I would go away with the 17s, he was always on the, on the under 20 national team. Mm-hmm. So, if we, if there were, you know, if there were always camps together certain times in the States that, you know, we'd all be flying out of the same airport. So he yeah. kind of looked after me as an older brother. Um, yeah. Which was really cool. Uh, even though that, you know, high school came, we, we, we hated each other. Yeah. Um, but uh, when, when we went with the Nassities, it was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, we got into that. And then um, again, the, the, the recruiting process, uh, back then, obviously, is nowhere close to what it is now. <laughs> yeah. um, it's crazy now. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really happen or it didn't really happen until going into your senior year back then. Yeah. You know, into the fall of your senior year. And so now you start, you know, you start getting letters and, and maybe a couple phone calls or people talking about, hey, you know, this this school's interested and that school's interested. And um, so – mine's a little bit of a unique situation was, um, you know, Bruce Arena was at UVA and uh, myself and another kid from the 17s, Andre Chapewall, were the only two that were graduating in the year we were graduating. Everybody else was slightly younger than us and they had one more year in school. So um, Bruce wanted both of us. Uh, And so he went after both of us and I know Andre, Andre, verbally committed really quickly he went right away and he's a really smart guy and probably making a lot of money now um (laughs) and then so then bruce kind of you know went after me and um i had kind of told us yeah i'm definitely interested obviously because they were winning all the championships back then um and then a weird thing happened you know they they switched goalie coaches uh uh, like the middle of the winter whatever it was and again back then you didn't have internet you couldn't just google somebody so I asked Bruce for, I said, can I get a week to find out about this new goalie coach you got? I just want to try to make some phone calls and, you know, yeah. figure it out. Well, you know, Bruce took that as an insult and, you know, kind of got a little upset with me. So this is, this is like January, February, you know, in, in upstate New York where there's like four feet of snow on the ground yeah. and it's like 10 degrees. And it just so happens that Frank Holmstein at the time was the coach of UNC Charlotte 
just happened to call, you know, basically cold called me and said, yeah. hi, you know, introduce himself, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know anything about the school, Kelly, other than it was in North Carolina. Yeah. And so my one question was to him, and, and this is in, in all seriousness, I said, what's the temperature right now? And he said, oh, it's, it's 67 degrees. It's going to get up to 75 today. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, yeah, I'll come down next weekend. <laughs> I love it. And li- literally, that's like how it happened, you know. So I flew down to Charlotte, I think the following weekend or whatever it was, two weeks later. And um, again, only knew it was in North Carolina. Yeah. Got there. What What I really liked was they didn't try to impress me with, oh, we've done this and we've done that. It was more about, hey, you could – they were an up-and-coming program. And they said, hey, you can help us really build something special here. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that really interests me. Uh, point number two, that was very, very important to me. Um, they had a goalkeeper coach named Eric Vauder, who, if anybody knows me and, and any of the stuff I talk about, he's basically been my second dad for almost 30 years now. Yeah. Um, I, I literally talk to the guy every day. And so it was very important to me to have him, um, around me you know, developing me. Uh, he, he's put so many guys into the pros at every level. Yep. Um, so I, I wanted to be in that environment on a day-to-day uh, basis. And, and the other part of that was they, and I, again, I didn't know this at the time, but when I got down there, there were like six to eight New York guys on the team. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I felt very comfortable instantaneously when I got there. Yeah. Um, you know, being around kind of my kind of people, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we had a great weekend. Uh, you know, I talk about hockey all the time. The funny thing is, is the very last thing we did on Sunday after we woke up was we went and played roller hockey on the tennis courts. <laughs> and, and we did that for like two hours in the middle, you know, again, in the middle of whatever, January, February. And we're in shorts and T-shirt because it's so warm. Yep. And we did that. And then the guy who I was staying with took me back to the airport and that was that. I, I remember, you know, getting off the airplane in Albany and it's snowing as usual. And my mom and dad picked me up and we're like, how was it? And I said, you know what? I want to go to Charlotte. And they're like, all right. And then Frank called me the next day and we worked out the details and that was, that was it. You know, it was, it was that simple to be quite honest with you. Yeah. God, I, I love that. So Obviously, a, a great career at Charlotte, ending up with, uh, you know, the first uh, College Cup appearance, um, record setting. You know, you're an All-American. Um, at that point, you know, MLS is, there. you know, there's whisperings and it's just about to start. And, and so what are you thinking at that point? So, like I said, with, with EB there, um, after our freshman year, all of a sudden when we're training in the winter, these these – you know, minor league pros, if you want to call them that, but professionals start coming around. Yeah. Mike McGinty's, Jeff Dubacks, Aiden Heaney's, all these guys that were playing in the USL. Yep. Um, and they all they all came to train with EV. So EV would bring them to our trainings in the evening because we didn't. He he worked a nine to five, so he didn't train us during team training. Yep. It was either first thing in the morning or in the evenings, and most of the time it was in the evenings. So next, you know, all these guys start showing up and they're training with us, and and. I remember saying to EV after that first, you know, kind of winter, I said, look, I said, I don't know if it'll ever happen. And I don't know if I'll ever be good enough. I said, but I want to do what these guys do. And whatever you tell me I need to do or work on, I will. And I said, I, I just wanted to let you know, like, I want to be those guys. Yep. Um, and so that's, you know, that that was kind of our real first conversation about him. We never, 
we never really talked a lot about it either. That was the, kind of the cool thing. He just, he just said, okay, good to know. And that was kind of that. And then, uh, so we went through, you know, as freshman year, went through my sophomore year. Um, and you know, we, we, I think didn't have as good of a sophomore year. Um, and, and end of the season comes and, and I remember saying to EV, you know, what do you think? And he's like, y- you need one more year. Yeah. I said, okay. You know, that was it. Like that is, it was as simple as that. You need one more year. Okay. You know, cause I, I, again, I trusted him with everything. I knew he, he had the blueprint to possibly get me there if I was good enough. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we go through that last junior year and that's when we went to the final four, uh, had a, had a very good year. And I remember it, we didn't have such a great final four, but we had a very good <laughs> year. Um, and again, it wasn't, we wasn't talked about at all during the season. And we, we end up losing uh, the semifinal on the, I think it was a Friday night, if I remember correctly, um, up in Richmond. And back then they had TV timeouts. And so yeah. tw- 22 minutes left in the second half, we're down, I think it was 4-1 at this time, uh, to F- uh, FIU. And I come over the bench, and anybody who knows me, again, I'm a little fired up because, you know, we're getting peppered. And I just looked at EV, I'm like, what can I do? Like, what else is there we can do here? And, and he just looked at me and he said, just enjoy your last 22 minutes of your college career. Cause you're ready. Love it. And, and I just looked at him and then I realized like, okay, he just told me that I'm, I'm ready. But then I looked at the rest of the team and say, Oh shoot. Did they hear him? Yeah. Because nobody, nobody knows. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. and luckily no, no, nobody, nobody heard. So it was, it was, I was safe with that, but uh, it, it was really, it, it was amazing because I remember walking back to the goal and just kind of thinking to himself, Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Yeah. EV says I'm ready. And so this is going to be it. Like, this is my last 22 minutes. Um, <laughs> it, you know, so that was, we ended, we ended up losing 4-1. Um, uh, EV, his wife, Marsha, and my mom, had she had driven down from Albany to watch. Yep. And so we went to dinner after the game, and we told my mom the plan. And she's like, okay, cool. You know, like, she was very supportive. Yep. The next, you know, next morning she drove – she drove back to Albany. Uh, we got on the bus, drove back down to Charlotte. Uh, we, we get to the locker room. I asked the, the boys to stay in the locker room. I went into the coach's office uh, and just told John Tard and, and his assistant, Ray, I said, you know, gentlemen, I said, I, I have no idea if you even have any clue about this. And I'm not, you know, trying to put you guys in any bad spots. But I said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving school. I'm going to turn pro, you know, turn of the year. And yep. I just want you guys to know. And they, again, they were awesome about it. They said, look, like we had a feeling this might be coming. And they both said, you know, this is the best thing for you. We know you're ready. Um, walked in the locker room, told the boys, everybody was great. Literally two days later, got in my car, drove home to Albany for, uh, for Christmas uh, spent Christmas in, in New York with the family and then went back and started training uh, turn of the year with EB in Charlotte until until I signed with the Greensboro Dynamo. Um, and so I know your original question, Kelly, was talking about the MLS. You know, the the MLS was a little, you know, it was just getting started. Yeah, totally. um, and so I, I didn't know anything about it. But like I said, I, I was just very fortunate I had EB and his he grew up in Boston. So he grew up being a hockey guy too. Yep. And so, you know, he explained it to me in, in a way that, that I understood. He said, look, he said, look at hockey. He said, the guys don't start in the NHL. Yeah. 
They start in the minor leagues. They ride the buses. They get their games under their belt. And if they're good enough, eventually they'll make it to the NHL. He said, that's what we're going to do with you. And at first, when you're, like I said, when you're 19, you're like, no, I'm going straight to MLS. I'm the, I'm the big dog, you know? <laughs> like, um, again, thank God I had him because, you know, he said, no, he said, you, look, if you go to the MLS now, you may last one year, two years, three years, yeah. and then you're going to be done. He said, if you really want to do this the right way and, and have a long career, he said, you'll go to the minor leagues, you'll put your time in, you'll get your games and your experience, and then if and when you're ready, somebody will come get you. Yep. Um, and, and like I said, he, had, he also worked for the Greensboro Dynamo, the USL team at the time, so uh, he had the connection, they signed me, yep. and, and that's kind of where I started. So I, I think that's a really important message that you just said, though, because as you said, these days people think, oh, there's only this one path and it's right into MLS um, or right into, you know, the, we'll call it the professional game. You see it in basketball with kids going from high school right into the NBA. But, yeah. but there's this system in place that is actually the right system for so many players of starting and getting experience at these lower levels so you can grow and, and take more time to develop the proper way as opposed to just getting, you know, thrown underneath the lights and, um, you know, into, into the heart of the fire. And, and yeah. I, I think that that's such a good message for people um, just because people seem to overlook that all the time. Just because you don't, you might not make it like in MLS right away. That doesn't mean your career is over. It, it's just the start, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it took me five years yeah. to get to the MLS full time. I mean, you know, I would, I would, I would call every MLS coach in the off season and just beg them to let me come into training for preseason yep. so I could just train and be around, yep. um, you know, and, and, you know, luckily guys like Bob Bradley and some of these other coaches would, would allow me in for a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, so I always got that little taste. And then back then you know, the roster was only 18 players. So yep. you only had two goalkeepers. Yep. Uh, so if anybody got injured, you know, most of the time I got a call to come sit, sit the bench and, yep. you know, that, usually involved a, a day or two of training, then sit the bench on Saturday night and then go back to wherever I was playing on Sunday. Yep. Um, so, so for me, I always kind of got a little stoke in the fire every yeah. so often to say like, Hey, it is tangible. I'm, I'm not far off. Yeah, totally. Um, I just got to keep grinding down here. Um, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm very thankful that that was the plan that Evie had because by the time uh, Greg Andrulis drafted me to Columbus you know, I had five years under my belt. I had, I think, close to 150, you know, pro games. Yep. Um, you know, so I was I was ready for the next level. Um, and, and, you know, if, if I would have made that jump straight from college, you know, to the MLS, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have lasted too long. So what was the hardest part, you think, then, about the, you know, coming out of college and then going into the your new professional career and just kind of that time, um, we'll call it those those two or three years, um, in the beginning of your career? Um, I think, I think one of the biggest things was part of it was my impatience. Yep. If you will, you know, um, for me, obviously I had, I have a, I have a, um, I have a work ethic that 
that was always there. Yeah. You know, I was willing to do whatever it took, whether it was in the gym or whether it was on the field or staying after, like that was always easy for me because I loved what I did. Yeah. So it was, I never felt like it was work. Um, but I think the fact of learning to be patient and just take each day and try to get a little bit better, especially now that I'm competing, for instance, with North in North Carolina with Greensboro Dynamo, uh, their two goalkeepers were, you know, Scott Garlick, who was up and down from DC United, yep. and Aiden, Aiden Heaney, who had just come back down from the New England Revolution. Yeah. Um, and and for me, again, I've always competed against older guys in high school and things like that. But now, all of a sudden, I'm going from you know college to competing with two seasoned veteran pros. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so it was a whole different environment. And and again, thank goodness those two were so nice to me and, and would put their arm around me and talk to me. And, 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 and even Scotty, I remember one of the best things Scott Garlic ever said to me, you know, I was in the gym after training one day and he came in and he was, you know, he's like, well, you know, what's up, Bushy? You, you, you know, you seem like you're, you know, I said, you know, Scotty, I just want to, I want to get, I want to get to the MLS, yeah. you know? And, and I said, obviously you're you're doing it right now with dc and data and you know he just looked at me he's like bushy he's like it's not how quickly you get to the mls it's how it's how long you stay at the top of the mountain once you get there yeah and i never thought of it that way until he really said it and i remember walking out of the gym driving back to the apartment going you know what this guy might be onto something <laughs> yeah. um you know and that that luckily changed my mindset a little bit of okay Maybe, you know, maybe I have to be a little bit more patient and, and just keep learning and, and trying to learn from Scotty and Aiden and other guys that, you know, the, the senior pros. Yeah. Um, and, and so that was, I think that for me was one of the biggest things in my early pro years was I wanted to kick the door down so fast. Yeah. And at some point you have to kind of let the plan happen and let God take over. And, yeah. and if it's meant to be, it's going to be, and you just have to keep working and doing your due diligence, you know, to, to possibly get there and be prepared when you do get there. Yeah. I mean, I think like, if I think about my own experience in it, you have that, that mountain that you want to get to the top of, and you're kind of always questioning, can I get there? Mm -hmm. and so you just want to get there so you can prove to yourself that you can get there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, no, I think that that's exactly right. That what Scott Garlick said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was. I mean, I was so grateful that he gave me that advice because it really did change my my thought process. Yeah. So um, you've now been playing in uh, in the A League at the time for a number of years, and now all of a sudden you get this this chance with Columbus. Like, talk about that. Your mentality, your mindset when you realize that you are going to MLS. You are going to get to the top of the mountain. Yeah, so I had known Greg Andrulis for many years because he used to do number one goalkeepers camps, and I used to go to him and then eventually worked with him or yep. work for Doc. So I, I knew Greg through that. Um, and I was playing in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the time for the, the Hershey Wildcats. Yep. And – I didn't I didn't know this till the end of the season, but he had come and watched a few of our games throughout the season. And then he comes to a, uh, a playoff game, and I run into the post five minutes in the game. So I end up coming out of the game. <laughs> but uh, after the game, I see him standing on the sideline, and I'm like, hey, Greg, how are you? And, you know, we start chit-chatting. And, you know, and that's when he told me, he goes, you know, I've been, I've been watching you. I watched about five of your games this season. And 
Um, he's like, we've got a position opening up, uh, backup position opening up next season. Um, you know, Mark, uh, Mark, Dodd, or sorry, not Mark, Dodd, Mark Doherty was retiring. Yep. Um, and he said, you know, was interested if you, you know, if you'd be interested in it. Uh, and so I was like, absolutely, you know, and he spelled it out. He said, look, Tom Prestis is there. He's our number one. Yep. Uh, but you know, I know you can do the business. I want to, I want to draft you, uh, in January, February, whenever it was yep. and, and bring you in. And, uh, I was like, absolutely, you know, a hundred percent. So as simple as that, you know, he said, okay, he's like, you know, we got a, got a few weeks to the draft, but you know, we'll <laughs> be in touch and you know, you, you'll be part of Columbus. Um, you know, so I remember going home to the little apartment with Nikki and I and yep. telling her and, um, but then we had to sit and wait for weeks, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to you're the like, a, true. yeah, you're like, is there, am I really going to get drafted or yeah. is this just a prank? Um, and you know, again, I'm going to make people laugh when they hear this, but you know, we're sitting in this little apartment owned by the Hershey team after the season and we got dial up, you know, internet. Yep. And so, you know, we're plugged in this day trying to follow the draft and, and, you know, the, the delay is just killing me. And, and, you know, finally like their first pick goes by and it's a field player. And then their second pick is the field player. So now we're, I think in the second round and their first pick was another field player. And I'm like, man, he was, he was pulling my leg. Yeah. Like this isn't going to happen. And then I think I was their second pick of the second round or whatever it was. Yeah. And like to see your name like pop up on the on the computer, you're just like, wow, all right. And then a few minutes later, uh, I think it was the admin Tucker, whoever yeah. it was, called me, and 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 you know it was official then. Yeah. Um, so that was, I mean, again, that was really really cool to see. Um, you know, be like, man, all the hard work, all the bus rides, everything. You know, again, proving people wrong of, hey, he's too small because again, every time I went to the next level. I, I, I would hear it every single time um, to say, okay, now I'm in the MLS. And, but and you know, this probably as well as I do, I don't think athletes, a lot of us, when we're in the moment, I don't think we sit in the moment very long. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is one thing I think we do better when we're retired. Uh, but I think it also part of the reason I know I didn't really dwell on things uh, during the present was, um, because I never wanted to let my guard down. I always wanted, yeah. okay, yeah, I did that, but what's next? And so I remember, you know, taking a few minutes and taking a day or two over and be like, Hey, yep, I'm, I'm going to be part of the Columbus crew. And then yeah. my mindset quickly changed to, okay, so who's this Tom Press, this guy, and how do I beat him? Yeah, totally. You know, and, and it sounds funny, but it was like, I was like, all right, I made the first step. Now, now I want to become the number one. You know, and, and again, for me, the only way I knew how to do that was just go in and outwork people. And, you know, I, I, I did that, you know, now getting to know Tom very quickly in preseason and all that. I mean, Tom was a very, very good goalkeeper. I think it was two years prior to that. He had won a championship with D.C. Yep. Um, he was, you know, at that time he was one of the big dogs in, in the goalkeeping world in the MLS. So, um, you know, it was it was a big mountain to climb. Uh, but again, for me, it was like, all right, now this is the next step. How, how do I, how do I do this? Yep. Yep. I mean, I think that's, again, talk about these messages that people need to hear. It's like, there's always, there's always somebody that's trying to knock you down and knock you off the pedestal, no matter what. Oh yeah. It's as soon as you, you know, you can let your guard down, like you said, you know, uh, for, for a short time, but then you have to realize that, you know, it's, 
you got to get back up there. And I remember Clive Charles told me right when I turned pro, he said, now you're going to think that you made it. Now you're going to have to work harder than you've ever worked before. Yep. And it was the most true statement that, that he could have ever said, you know, cause it was exactly that exact same experience for me. It was like, okay, now I get drafted by Chicago fire and I'm in here with all these like superstars, you know? And I'm like, for a moment, you just look around and you're like, Oh my God. And then you realize like, whoa, wait, wait, these are my teammates. I'm, I'm, I'm peers with these people. Now I, yeah. now I want to play. I want my starting. I want to start. How do I do that? You know? Yeah. But man, that's incredible. So yeah, let's, let's go through Columbus. I mean, now you, you, you end up becoming the starter and um, talk about just, well, let's get into your pro experience. So Columbus crew, Chicago fire, um, the quakes, another stop with, uh, with Chicago and finally India Eleven. Let's, let's kind of get into that. And like, I think some okay. of the ups and downs and, and all that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we started in Columbus and about halfway through the season, um, Tom, Tommy rolls his ankle during the first half of a game. I think we we're playing New England. Um, hobbles through the rest of the first half. Starts the second. Uh, we were already, I think it was down 2-1 at the time or 2-0. Um, and then it was just a point where he can't go anymore. And I remember, like, I, you know, I remember sitting on the bench, at the end of the bench, I kept looking down to Greg like, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm down here. I'm, I'm down here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so as soon as he kind of hollered down and, I, you know, I see Tom ask for a sub. I mean, I've never run so fast in my life. I think it's the fastest I've ever run from <laughs> the sideline into the goal because I was like, I don't want anybody to like change your mind here. So I'm going to sprint yep. into this goal. And I, I think I was exhausted by the time I got to the eight, you know, into the box. I was like, holy crap, that was the fastest I've ever ran. But, you know, I, I was just so excited to, to, to get in. And, um, we ended up losing that game. I, I didn't have much to do. I think I only played, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes, uh, you know, a couple saves, so that sort of thing. But it was – we had a quick turn – yeah, it was my ba- debut, and we had we had a quick turnaround. Um, so that was either Saturday or Sunday, and then we, we played on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And so I remember leaving Crew Stadium and, and you know, Greg kind of saying, like, hey, you know what, you're probably going to play Wednesday night. Yeah, you know, kind of putting that bug in my head, but he's like, I don't think Tom's ankle is going to be, you know, we'll find out more tomorrow, you know, at, at training, blah blah blah. Uh, so he kind of put that bug in my head, uh, you know, as I I left the stadium that night. Um, long story short, yeah, Tom couldn't go, um, you know, so that was my first game. And again, yeah, I think what was kind of cool about it was again, this was you know, right when I think people started using the internet, but uh, not many people knew much about John Bush, yeah. you know, now. Obviously, Greg did because he had scouted me. You know, guys who knew a little something about me knew that I, you know, that I had a lot of pro experience under my belt. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think there were a lot of questions at first, especially obviously when you look out and you see this little guy in goal going, oh, my goodness. How, how is he going to hit, jump and touch the crossbar, let alone save shots? I mean, but, just, uh, <laughs> just so that our listeners know, you say little guy. I mean, five foot ten is not that little. But, yes, in this, in this grand scheme of goalkeeping, it's not. Correct. Correct. And and um, to be honest, uh, I listed myself at five ten. Uh, it's more like five nine and a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but again, I I felt comfortable. Um, we actually were playing DC United, which at that time had Echeverry and all their their gang. Yep. Um, it was raining. I remember that. I don't remember much about the game. I just remember it was raining. Um, and 
So we, we go, we go, we warm up, we go back in as we're walking out, you know, guys are, Hey, good luck. You know, blah, blah, blah. Enjoy it. Uh, and, and John Harks, who, you know, everybody, anybody who knows Harks, he's got, you know, he's, he's a little bit of a comedian. Yep. He's like, Hey, Hey kid, good luck tonight. I'm like, Hey, thanks. Cause back then I was actually the young guy on the team. Yeah. Um, so everybody called me kid. Um, and as I walk, by, I was like, Hey, thanks, Harksy. Appreciate it. As I walk by a few steps, he's like, Hey, don't shit yourself tonight. Okay. <laughs> and I just started laughing. I just turned around, winked at him. I was like, I'll try not to, yeah, you know, and, and yeah, that, that was it. And, uh, went out, we won one zero, um, got my first shutout in my first game. And, uh, so that was that, that, and then, you know, Greg kind of said like, look, you know what, you'll get the next one. If you do well again, then it's, you know, it's going to be yours. Um, and you know, and Tom took a few, I don't remember how long it took, but Tom took a few weeks to get back from his ankle. Yeah. Um, I think he got one open cup game after that, but that was really about it. Greg, Greg had a lot of belief in me and, and gave me literally the entire second half of the season, as well as, uh, the run in the open cup as well. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, it was nice. And then, you know, come end of the season, uh, you know, end of the year meetings, as you know, you always have. And, yeah. and, and, that's when he told me, he goes, moving forward, you are my number one goalkeeper. God, that's, um, that's amazing. So, yeah, let's talk about that responsibility of becoming the number one. Yeah, so then, again, you're – as we talked about earlier, you know, it's it's how – it's hard to stay on top of the mountain. So now my mindset has to go from me being being the one chasing somebody to, hey, there's people chasing me now. Yep. Um. You, you know, so my mindset, which never really wavered or changed no matter what position I was in, it was always every day I'm going to be the hardest working guy out here and I'm yeah. going to be the first in and the last to leave. And it didn't, again, it didn't matter if I was number one, two or three or whatever. Um, and so that is just kind of the way I went about my business, mm-hmm. um, you know, was just, hey, I'm going to prepare every day as if I'm playing, whether I knew I was playing or whether... I wasn't sure if I was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the second year, uh, you know, went, went well. The second year, I think, was our, if I remember correctly, our Open Cup year. Maybe that was our first year. I don't even remember anymore. But uh, <laughs> I'm so old now, I can't remember. But uh, the second year went second year went very well. Um, you know, I had another good, consistent season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, did my did my business and just uh, you know uh, did what I could. And Tom was still there with me, and and he was great. Like he he kind of saw that you know it was changing, and and uh, but he helped me out, you know, because he had a lot of experience, and and so I leaned on him quite a bit to to learn different things that he knew. Um, yeah. And got through the second season, um, you know, and and all was good there, and then. You know, third, I think it was the third season, you know, third or fourth, you know, was when I, I hit one of my big times of adversity of about, uh, I think it was 11 games into the season. Um, I had one of my defenders fall on me and, and tore my knee uh, yep. when I was playing in LA. We were out in LA playing the Galaxy, and it happened right before halftime. Um, uh, I think it was Robin Frazier and Edson collided, and one of them fell back on me. Uh, and so tore my ACL. Uh, obviously, that was uh, you know that that was pretty devastating. Uh, first, well, actually, my second major uh, knee surgery, but yeah. uh, first one in the MLS. So uh, you know that was really scary because 
not only you know was it a you know a serious injury, but also that I was starting to get time with the U.S. national team for Bruce Arena, yeah. and um, that that winter before was my first January camp. That's when I got my first game. Um, I moved myself up to of the MLS kind of pecking order above yep. Kevin Hartman and Joe Cannon, and yep. uh, so Bruce was giving me some time and some chances. Um, and then obviously this happened. And I remember, you know, I tried to make it to halftime because it happened right before halftime. And mm-hmm. the, the L.A. doctor looked at me like I was nuts. Um, and he's like, you've torn your ACL right there on the field. I'm like, well, just give me the halftime and we'll reevaluate it. It's like, <laughs> you're not going to make it to halftime. Listen, pal. <laughs> and so I tried to play. And the very next play was like a back pass. And yeah. I went to play the ball and I just my my whole leg wobbled and I barely kicked it out of bounds. And I, I sat down. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went in the locker room, doctors came in, they checked it. Yeah. You know, for sure. You're, you know, ACL, you're going to need surgery, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, the, the crazy thing was, was the very, obviously my wife called me first and she had left a message. Um, but the, the very next call, um, was a message left by Phil Wedden, who was at that time was Bruce's goalie coach. Yeah. And they were actually together watching the game. I don't know exactly where they were, but they were together watching the game. And, you know, he's like, he told me, he's like, we're here watching. We're, we're so sorry. We're hoping it's, you know, not that bad. Please let us know. Yeah. You know, please let us know as soon as possible. And, you know, for me, that was another kind of kick in the gut. I'm like, oh man, not only, yeah. yeah, Like not only, you know, did I get injured and and I'm going to have surgery and all that, but, uh, you know, I'm obviously on their kind of radar and now that's going to be taken away for a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was, that was a tough pill to swallow. It, it really was. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, talk about adversity. I mean, there's so many, so many people have this exact same story of like, okay, now I'm, I'm at this top of my game and then boom, I do a knee or I do some major injury. So at that time that happens, your mindset is, you know, obviously super bummed. Um, talk about that, that response. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, obviously we flew back the next day and it took me, you know, talking, to, it took me a while talking to a wife, talking to a, we had a sports psychologist on, on staff at Columbus, which was yep. fantastic. Um, talking to the doctors and all that. And, um, finally just talking to a sports psychologist, it was, you know, he was kind of the first one to say to me like, Hey, you, you can get through this. You can do this. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he said, you know, you'll be able to handle the physical workload and you're going to push harder than you've ever pushed. He's like, but your test is going to be your mental side of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't understand what he meant during the time. Cause again, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what was coming my way. Um, but, and you probably know this as well as I do, you know, when, when you're out for a long period of time in, in, you know, uh, with injuries like this, you spend a lot of time by yourself in the weight room. Oh yeah. You know, so there's a lot of conversations that go on in your head. (laughs) Um, you know, that, uh, other people might think you're crazy if they actually heard what was going on in your head. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, some weeks there's a lot of improvement and you're like, Hey, you know what? I'm on the road to recovery and other, other weeks there's very little, if, if any. And, and sometimes that becomes, Hey, you know what, what's going on? Why haven't I improved this week? Yep. Um, so there's, there's a lot of questions that go on, but for me, it was, again, I just, I kind of said, look, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to become 
a little bit selfish in the right way, if that makes sense, to make sure I not only do everything I can do for my rehab, but uh, take advantage of all, you know, our trainers and our rehab people and the sports psychologists and everything I need. The resources. Yes, all the resources we have available. Make sure I use them all. Um, to get myself back to where I can get to. Yep. And, and so, you know, I, I did that and, you know, we get through it and I remember, you know, being able to finally catch balls again and get back on the field after yeah. four months. Um, the doctor wouldn't clear me till officially clear me till six months, um, which was fine because we didn't make the playoffs that year. Um, yep. But, but that's when Ziggy had come in and he had a, two week camp after the season ended and which was great for me because that's when I was allowed to start doing goalkeeper training. So uh-huh. uh, I was allowed to work with the other goalkeepers. I was allowed to work with the goalkeeper coach. I just could not uh, play any, any live games, um, you know, but we, we got through that. I trained all winter. Uh, everything was going great. Knee felt great. Uh, was starting again right away from the next year mm-hmm. and 10 games into it. Literally, I think it was a week week shy of a year i step on a defender's foot going up for a cross tear the same knee again oh god um and right away when it happened you know i was planning to go one one direction my defender was going the other he pulled his foot out from underneath me and it just you know just tore it and, I, and like i said I, I knew right away yeah uh, you know it didn't hurt as much as the first time but i knew right away you know we were luckily we were playing in columbus at home and doc came out same doc who did it, you know, yeah. did the surgery, said, yep, you tore the graft, uh, you know, surgery again. I'm like, okay, you know, so now you're going, you know, now I'm going unbelievable. You know, I've just put yeah. basically a year long of work in yep. to get back to this point. And, you know, like I said, a week shy of a year, I tear the same exact knee. And, oh. um, you know, so yes, now that whole cycle starts again, the, the, the negative thoughts, the yep. negative, you know, it, talking in your head. Uh, you know, I, 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 again, I didn't know this till, you know, till after I got back on the field the next time. But, you know, apparently the doctor, who's a great guy who actually owns the crew now, but he, he kind of pulled Nikki aside at one point and said, hey, you know what? Like, maybe, maybe it's time for him to look in a different direction. Yeah, and she always. just, she just looked at him and said, don't even say that to him because there's no way that's happening. Yeah. Don't even put that. Um, and and so like I I had no idea about that conversation until years later when when Nikki actually told me that he had said that. Yeah. Um, you know, so the the only positive I guess at that point was I knew that once I had surgery again, I knew the process now. Yeah. Right. Like it sounds crazy, but before, yeah, yeah, I knew exactly what I was going to do every week of the whole process. Yep. And so. It, the 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 kind of map was laid out in my head and so that aspect i think the mental side was easier this time yeah, yeah it still it still stunk right because i wasn't playing soccer and i wasn't being a goalkeeper but yeah. i i knew what was ahead of me so um i worked my way back through that got back again yeah um you know we we had an off season camp again was back to normal everything felt great uh and then you know going into the next preseason that's when ziggy uh doesn't want me anymore. And, um, and, and so now I'm, I'm picked up. Uh, I went to Toronto for two weeks. It never got to Toronto, but I went to Toronto <laughs> for two weeks and then ended up in Chicago. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, 
Yeah, so that was that was always fun. Uh, spent two weeks with Toronto in Florida and South Carolina or Charleston, and yep. then then they tell me they have too many Americans on the team. Yep. Uh, at the same time, they told me that if they had a game to, the next day, I'd be their number one. So I was a little confused on that one, uh, but yeah. uh, they, they yeah. So then they released me, and now again, I mean, you know how this business goes with getting released and getting put on waivers and all that fun stuff. Um, I mean, there was a point where Kelly, I was literally sitting in the airport in Charleston, South Carolina Mm -hmm. uh, with a ticket from Toronto back to Columbus where my wife, you know, my wife and I were still living and Daryl Shore, the goalie coach of Chicago at the time calls me on my cell phone and he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm literally walking into the airport to fly back to Columbus. And he said, don't get on the plane. And I said, why? He's like, we're down in Florida. We're pulling up to the fields in 10 minutes. Ron's going to call you. We Dave wants to look at you. He wants to bring you down for the rest of the weekend. And this yep. was a Wednesday this happened. He said, we want to bring you down. Just let you train with the team from Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Dave just wants to get eyes on you. Yep. Uh, but make sure you're healthy. As long as you're healthy, he wants to sign you. And I remember saying to you, you, you talk, we've talked a lot about the mental side. I remember saying to Daryl, like I said, Daryl, I said, I said, if you guys are, if this is a tryout, I'm not interested. I said, yeah. I'm not, I said, I'm not in a mental spot right now to deal with. This is a possibility. Yeah. I, I, I said, I literally just in the last three weeks, I've been on two different teams. I've been told I was a starter for two different teams. And then I've been moved on from two different teams. I yep. said, I said, I'm, in, I, I'm not in a great mental space, to be quite honest. And he said, no, no. He said, this is just we need to get eyes on you for verification, but we are going to sign you. Um, so the crazy part of that was I literally had talked to my wife while I was in the car on the way to the airport saying, hey, I, I land at whatever, 530, pick me yeah. up at the airport to having to call her. Back. So let me back. Up. So I'm, now I'm sitting in the airport waiting for the administrator to call me. Now I've got yep. a ticket in my hand to go to Columbus and I'm waiting for this guy to call me and tell me where I got, you know, what, yeah, what, what airline. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what time and what airline. Yeah. And now it's getting time. And, and I explained the whole thing to the person at the front desk. Like, luckily it's a small airport and they're like, okay, no problem. Blah, blah, blah. And now I see them kind of looking at me, looking at the clock and I'm going, Oh my goodness, what do I do here? <laughs> and and luck, fortunately, Ron calls right in the nick of time, says, go over whatever it was, Delta or American, blah, blah, yeah. and here's your flight information. So I do that. I check in. Now I'm flying down to Florida. So now i got to call my wife back and say, oh, by the way, I'm not coming home tonight, yeah. uh, but I'm going to be home on Sunday. And she's like, what are you even talking about? I said, well, Chicago wants to look at me. And she said, oh, she says, I don't even know anymore. She said, just, yeah. just tell me when i got to be at the airport. Exactly. I said, okay, I'll, I'll call you. Know. So that's honestly – Went down to went down to Florida for a couple of days. Had a couple of good days with Chicago. Yeah. Um, flew back to they flew back to Chicago. I flew back to Columbus for a day and a half, and uh, flew out on Sunday night or Monday night, whatever it was, to Chicago. Trained for the week and and was on the roster that next weekend. Amazing. Yeah. So the the ups and downs of MLS. You know about it. Well, so let's talk a bit about your time in San Jose. I mean, that's kind of it. I'd say like your longest stint, you know, 150 games with, with San Jose um, and some incredible seasons there. So, yeah. I, I mean, talk about, yeah, that, that experience. Yeah. Uh, again, and, and, you know, I'm going to kind of 
re, you know, talk about what I've talked about, you know, in some of the other clubs. But you know, when when Chicago released me, I remember sitting there going, "Okay, kind of what, what's going to happen now? Where where are we going?" Because again, it happened late in preseason, uh, and and it was the week before the season started. So yep. pretty much every team was was, was sorted that, out. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember my agent calling me and saying, "Hey, John Doyle's going to call you in five minutes." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, "Why?" You know, it's like they got Joe Cannon. Well, what do they need? And he's like, "No, he's like they're they they want you. He just wants to make sure you understand you're coming in as a number two. Yeah. And I just laughed. I said, "That's the story of my life." I said, "I've yeah. never had an issue with that. No problem." <laughs> exactly. You know, and and so. John Doyle called me five minutes later. We talked for about 10 minutes and, you know, said the same thing. I said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, let me ask you one question, John. I said, it, it, this was like Friday and, and the teams were all playing the next day. I said, do I need to get on a plane right now or something? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, we're going to, well, let's get through the first game. We'll fly out Sunday. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so, you know, so that happened. Um, I think the only person that knew was uh, Leachy. Yeah. Right, you know, because obviously Leachy and I played in Columbus, yep. and I remember calling him one of the days and going, "Hey, what's the temperature out there?" You know, and yep. and we, him and I, kind of beat it around the bush with each other. But he was, I think, he was the only one that knew that that they that I had signed there. Um, yep. and I, I, yeah, flew in Sunday night and uh, was at training Monday morning. Um, and again, went into a situation where. You know, I knew that I had a mountain, you know, a mountain to climb again. Um, yeah. You know, you've got Joe Cannon, who's an all-star, who's a national team player, who, you know, is is, is a Bay Area guy who's yeah. been there. You know, he's a legend in San Jose. I mean, you know, you think about yep. the goalkeepers that have come through there, and, and obviously Pat and Joe are top of the list. Yep. Um, you know, so, I was, you know, it, again, it was a, a process of me – figuring out in my head, okay, you know, what's the reasoning I'm here? Why am I here? Um, you know, getting, if you, if you want to call it the lay of the land, but then right away also saying, okay, Joe's the number one and I respect that, but now I got to find, now I got to figure out the way to beat him out. Yep. Of course. You know, and again, so that whole mindset just for me, just started over again. Okay. You know, I, I respected Joe. I, I was in national team camps with Joe. I know how good Joe is. I mean, he was a fantastic goalkeeper. You know, but my mentality was I'm not going to be happy sitting on the bench. Of course. You know, and, and so it now became, all right, let's let's put our head down. Let's get back to work and let's start grinding again. And let's, you know, let's find a way to become the number one goalkeeper for San Jose Earthquakes. I mean, that's this the story keeps repeating itself over and over in yeah. in your life and in your career and i mean it's so so admirable just the mental strength that it takes every single time to you know i mean it's not an easy battle you know no. and but i think that that's also why you've had you or you had such a long career as a professional is um you know being able to be up to that challenge and you know, for for all these these people that listen you know are huge numbers of people that listen <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I, again, I think that it's it's just so important to to take from this that you don't have to be there right away. You need a foot in the door, and then it's mm-hmm. up to you. That's it. Yeah. Then it's up. Yep. To you, you know, all you need is somebody to give you an opportunity. Yep. You just need one person to say yes. So, so the the final thing I want to kind of get into here is 
as you as you're getting older and as you're realizing like maybe like at some point i'm gonna have to uh stop playing this game like what's your headspace like at that moment thinking like this is all i've known and done for my entire life what the hell am i gonna do now yeah 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 it was uh you know, I, I started really having those thoughts uh, when I went back to Chicago that last year because, you know, it, it wasn't a good environment. The, the team was in a bad spot. Um, I luckily had Logan pause around, who's yep. a great guy. Um, you know, so him and I would talk quite a bit. Yep. Um, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a healthy locker room. Um, yeah. And then all the changes started that offseason. So then, um, you know, that was the point where – you know, Nelson Rodriguez came in and made all the changes. And, uh, you know, so I, my option wasn't picked up. So now, you know, now I think, I don't know, it's 38, 39, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, Still physically okay, but also knew, all right, this is, now we got to think about the future. And and yes, we're going to play, you know, a couple more years, hopefully, but the next move has to not just be, be, not just be about playing, but it has to be about, can I set myself up for, maybe something next. Yep. Um, and so kind of out of the blue, to be, be quite honest, um, Timmy Regan called me. Yeah. And, and anybody who knows Timmy Regan, he is an awesome, awesome dude. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so I knew a little bit uh, – I knew Timmy, but I knew a little bit about where he was because um, Brad Ring had gone over here and played once yep. he left San Jose. So yep. I had that connection um, and knew a little bit about the Indy 11. Uh, but, you know, uh, Tim Regan called me when I was living in Chicago and, and just kind of, he, he, let's call it, he, he threw out a hypothetical. He said, hypothetically, would you be interested in being a player coach, <laughs> uh, you know, for Indy 11 and the NASL and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, honestly, I've never really thought about it, you know, because I, I, I had two other teams uh, in the MLS still with some interest to yep. what extent weren't quite sure, but there was still enough interest. Um you know, so he said, look, we're about to hire Tim Hankinson as our head coach. Um, why don't you talk to him about the whole process and, and think about it? So talk to Hankinson, talk to Regan again. Um, you know, the more I kind of talked with Nikki about it, I said, you know what, this might be a good opportunity. You know, I'll be able to sit in the staff meetings. I'll uh-huh. be able to sit with the owners and, and really start learning the other side as well as I'm the starting goalkeeper, so I'll still get to play but I'm also the goalkeeper coach. So now yeah. I can start really working on the process of, you know, setting up sessions and, yeah. and, and periodization and everything that goes along with it. Totally. Um, yeah. So long story short, I ended up doing that. Um, first year was fantastic. We won, you know, we won the spring season, lost in the overall championship on penalty kicks to the Cosmos. Um, second year wasn't, wasn't as great. We, we struggled a little bit. Um, you know, but in the whole learning process, it was great because, like I said, I, I sat in budget meetings. I I, I sat in meetings yep. about players. I, I I had contracts of player, or I had copies of players' contracts. So I was learning all this stuff behind the scenes yeah. uh, of how to put a club together, in essence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, you know, that was kind of that. And then uh, after my second year, uh, things changed again, uh, and Martin Rennie came in, and uh, you know. I wasn't in his plans and that was the end of my career. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and how did you feel about that though? I mean, 
Um, if I'm being honest, um, it was, it was a shock. Um, I had, I had agreed with the president of the club at the time to play one more year uh, and then retire at the end of the season because physically I was fine and I I wanted to play a 22nd year. Uh, Whether, whether I actually played a game or not, I wasn't, that wasn't important to me. Um, I I wanted to be part of the team and, And and if it was bring in you know a, an MLS goalie on loan or or develop a young kid, I was totally okay with that because yeah. by that time I had played over 500 pro games and and mm-hmm. you know I was very content with where I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then unfortunately, uh, when Martin came in, uh, he he had some you know not so respectful words over a phone call. Yep. Um, didn't even give me the time of day, unfortunately, to to meet with me. And I've never met Martin before this, and he, so I didn't know anything about him. Yeah. Um, and and you know, kind of had some disrespectful words for me and my career, and so um, that really you know put me in a bad headspace. Um, yeah. I ended up signing a one day contract and and re- retiring as a Columbus Crew member, which yeah uh, gave me some sort of closure. Yeah. Uh, to, to my career, which I am extremely thankful to, to Burhalter and everybody that was involved in that. Um, yeah. it, it, it allowed me some sort of peace of mind after 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also in a very bad, bad mental place because of not only did, you know, something like you said earlier, that the only thing I've ever known since I was probably, you know, whatever, 13, 14, 15 has now not been taken away from me, but is now coming to the end. Well, and you don't um, get to end it on your terms. And I didn't get to end it on my terms the way I thought I had agreed with the club to do. Yes. Um, because the deal was with the club and with the president of the club at that moment was I'd play one more year. Towards the end of the season, I would announce my retirement from playing and I would become the technical director of the club. Yep. That was that was what we had put in place. Um, and, and we just kind of had to you know cross the T's and dot the I's. But it was gotcha. all agreed on verbally with the president at the time in a face-to-face meeting yeah um so you know so that yeah that kind of hurt you know at the same time i i I didn't want to you know you know sound in you know or or be insensitive to say well you know i wanted one more year i had 21 amazing years yeah you know and so i i i I didn't want to be like well i didn't get my 22nd and you know that's just being selfish um you know it was more about the thing that I'd love to do every single day mm-hmm. was now coming to an end and the way it happened and the way I was addressed by a professional coach really, really put me in a bad mental place. And I remember, you know, I mean, it months went by Kelly where I didn't want to talk to anybody, you know? Yeah. And, and so I'm dealing with two different things, right? I'm dealing with, uh, I, the best way I could describe it is I felt like I was just floating in the deep end of a pool and not knowing where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, but at the same time, I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Um, and, and that was part of my problem or, or not, not part of the problem, but part of my figuring things out. Right. Uh, yeah. Perfect example. You know, Brian, Brian Mazinoff, who's a very good friend of mine, you know, he called a few times and I just put him into voicemail. Yeah. And at, at one point, he finally left a, a message. I can't remember if it was a text message or voice message. He'd be like, Bushy, what is going on with you? Yeah. Like, call me back. And and so I think he knew something was, you know, something was, rat, had rattled me. Um, 
you know, and, and I finally started talking to him. I started, I finally started talking to Brian uh, Dunseth. I finally started talking to CJ Brown, guys that I, yep. I held in high regards, but also guys that were in my kind of inner circle. Totally. You know, and every one of them said, look, what you're going through is natural. We've all gone through this. Yep. You know, it, it's, you're, you're walking away from something you've done all your life. Now, the second part that's making it a little bit harder for you is the way it was done. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it took me, it took me a while, Kelly, to get kind of out of that headspace yeah. of, you know, cause I, I had a lot of anger, a lot of anger towards Martin, you know, in those, in those sure. months, um, you know, of, of how can somebody who I've never met speak to me this way and, 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 Again, it's it's one thing if you don't want me on your team because I've been through that before. Yeah. It was a different thing to say what he said to me and have no remorse, if you will, or, or no no respect for it's, yeah, it's the respect twenty one years for twenty one years and what you've yeah. accomplished in your career, which is yeah. more than most people ever even get a sniff of. Yeah, and so yeah. so that's what really hurt me. Um, and it, it took that's what really took me a long, long time to to mentally deal with and, yep. and, and kind of move forward from, um, luck, luckily again, talking to people like CJ's, like Dunsef's, like yep. Mazenoff's, yep. you know, and, and my wife, of course, um, I was able to kind of eventually get through that. And, and, and now it's, you know, to me, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is and I've moved forward. Um, and now I'm in a place of, of, peace and, and content with now yeah. training goalkeepers and doing what I do, whether it's with the club or with the college kids, or even with, with us soccer, with the youth, with the youth teams when I go away with them. Yep. Yeah. I mean, God, what an, just what an amazing story, honestly. It's so, so good to hear. And it's, it's funny. Like I, I obviously do a handful of these uh, podcasts each year. And what's so funny is, I mean, I've known you for God knows how many years now, but to get, a long time. <laughs> to get, to get, in such an in-depth view of your true story is, is so valuable for me. And so, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for sharing all of that. Yeah. I think, I think all of that is just such a good thing for people to listen to, to really understand, you know, the world of professional sports and the fact that like, like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your accomplishments are. You're going to have down periods, right? You're going to have Absolutely. adversity. And it's like, you, you wouldn't get to where you are without, having had this adversity and learning how to become mentally strong and persevere through it. I mean, your, your story is a perfect one of all these various situations where you find yourself in where you're the number two, or you're not even in the picture quite yet. And you have to fight and battle and scrap and, you know, swallow your ego and, and work super hard in order to, to get that number one spot again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Hey, I just want to say thanks again. And, um, hope everybody will, uh, We'll listen to this episode, and uh, I think they're gonna they're gonna love it. Yeah, I mean, I I hope they do. I mean, we we talk for a while, and I always enjoy talking <laughs> to you, so that's always fun. But uh, yeah, no, I think that, like you said, I think the nail, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's like everybody has adversity, no matter what you do in your life. It's how, it's how you deal with it, and how you move forward from it. Um, so, if people want to learn more about you, get in touch with you. What is where can they find you? Yes, they can find me uh, at. My Twitter and Instagram is at HPG underscore GK. That is my goalkeeping glove company that I own and I, and I run the social media. So you can always come talk to me. Um, and, and that's where you can find me. Perfect. Awesome. Well, 
thanks again. Appreciate you being on the episode and speak soon. All right. Take care, Kelly. Thanks for having me, bud.